the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Matthew. The time when the church is going to be delivered so that we don't have to go through this tribulation period. But there will be a time of distress unparalleled, Daniel says. And that's also what Jesus says back here in Matthew 24. Go back to Matthew 24 now. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. For then there will be great distress. Same word that Daniel used. Jesus says here, unequaled. From the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. The second coming of Jesus Christ is shrouded in mystery. We can't know exactly the time or hour of His return, but the Bible is full of prophecies that we can reflect on to gain more knowledge. In today's message, Pastor Gary tackles the topic of the rapture and tribulation. He, along with many other pastors and scholars, believes that the church will be spared from the tribulation, will be taken up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. If Jesus came back today, would you be taken up or would you be left behind? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. And basically paraphrasing, David says, because I know that he can't come back to me, but I'm going to go and see my child one day. And he knew that that child was in the arms of Jesus, that there's a certain provision that God makes for children and takes care of them. So while the church gets raptured and children with them, you still have the next three and a half years where children are going to be born during the tribulation period before the Antichrist reveals himself. And that's when Jesus says, when the Antichrist, when the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, reveals himself, that's when the greatest part of the tribulation will be unleashed. Pray then that your flight does not happen in winter. And pity the ladies who are pregnant and nursing, because if you're going to be fleeing in a hurry... It's, it's going to be even more difficult if it's winter and if you've got some toddlers that you're trying to take care of. And so anyway, back here in Daniel chapter 9, it tells us this. If you look at the middle of verse 26, Daniel 9, middle of verse 26, it starts, the people of the ruler. Now, the ruler here is the Antichrist. King James uses the word prince. But it is a Hebrew word that better translates ruler. This is a reference to the Antichrist. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. And desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Here's his covenant the Antichrist is going to make with 
uh, many because he's going to be this charismatic political global leader who comes on the world scene and he's able to unite Muslims and Jews and everybody just get along on the Temple Mount and the temple will be rebuilt. He's going to make this covenant of a seven year period. And in the middle, rest of verse 27, in the middle of the seven, three and a half years into it, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and on a wing of the temple... He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, this is what Jesus was referring to, the abomination that causes desolation. What is it that he actually does when he commits this act? What is it that he's doing? What he's doing is he is uh, placing himself on the throne in the temple that he encouraged the Jews to rebuild, and he declares that he is God. He proclaims himself to be God. Go to chapter 11 of Daniel. Daniel 11, verse 36. It says, the king, this is still talking about the Antichrist, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, until until the end of the tribulation period, when Jesus comes again. Where what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard, notice this, no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Now that's an interesting statement there at the end where it says there that he has no regard for the gods of his fathers. The Hebrew word for gods, the reason it's in the plural is because every time the Hebrew word Elohim appears, It is a plural word, but it is really a word for God himself. Because even in the King James Bible, when it translates this word here, it speaks of him in the singular, and it's capitalized, the God of his Father. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is Elohim in Genesis 1.1. The reason it's a plural word is because contained within the Hebrew word Elohim is a picture of the plurality of a single God, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when this statement here in Daniel 11 says that he has no regard for the God of his fathers, for Elohim, it is an indication that likely the Antichrist will be Jewish. This is a Jewish idiom. This is a Jewish expression. The God of my fathers is what the Jews would say in relation to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is likely that Antichrist will have a Jewish heritage, which makes sense because why in the world would Jews in Israel believe that the temple could be rebuilt if it didn't come from the Messiah, that they think is Messiah? He had no regard for the God of his fathers, nor for the one desired by women, is the rest of that verse. And King James says, nor the desired of women, and that is also a Jewish expression. Every, the desire of every young woman in Israel was to possibly be the vessel to give birth to Messiah. The desire of every woman was Messiah, that, that she would be able to give birth to Messiah. So these are two expressions that are uniquely Jewish, and it is an indication that perhaps the Antichrist will be Jewish. I don't agree with those who think the Antichrist is going to be the Pope. I just don't agree with that. There's a lot of people out there who think that. I think that this religious political leader is much bigger than one leader of one faith. This guy is going to unite all world religions under one banner, 
and then he will exalt himself to be God and proclaim himself to be God in a wing of the temple. And that's what Jesus calls the abomination that causes desolation. In 2 Thessalonians, stay there in Daniel because we've got one more thing to read. But in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. That's the apostasia. That's the falling away of the faith. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. That's the Antichrist. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So Paul writes the same thing there in 2 Thessalonians as you're reading here in Daniel. The Old Testament confirms the New Testament. New Testament confirms the Old Testament. Go to Daniel chapter 12. So verse 1 of Daniel 12, it says, At that time, Michael, now this is the archangel Michael. He's the only archangel mentioned in the Bible. Gabriel is not an archangel. But Michael and Gabriel are the only two angels mentioned in the Bible by name. And uh, Michael is an archangel. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people... Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. And that is a a picture of projecting towards the time when the church is going to be delivered so that we don't have to go through this tribulation period. But there will be a time of distress unparalleled, Daniel says. And that's also what Jesus says back here in Matthew 24. Go back to Matthew 24 now. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. For then there will be great distress. Same word that Daniel used. Jesus says here, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. You see, that's almost identical to what we just read in Daniel 12 and what Jesus says here in Matthew 24. Now, I know that there's a variety of people who will interpret Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation and and think things are allegorical or think things are historical. There are some Christians good, honest, decent people who believe that the events of Matthew 24 really are not painting a picture towards the second coming of Christ as much as it is painting a picture towards the death and destruction of Christians in the first century under Nero, and that Nero is really the picture of what we call the Antichrist, and he puts a lot of Christians to death, and it was a horrible time. There's no question about that. You read history, first century, Rome, Emperor Nero was making Christians human torches in his garden. He would dip them in tar and light them on fire alive. And he slaughtered Christians so that their bloods would just, their blood would flow through the streets of Rome. And Nero was brutal, and and Nero killed a, a lot of Christians. But as horrible as that is, it was. Do, do you honestly think that when Daniel says there's going to be a time unparalleled? of distress, and Jesus says there's going to be a time unparalleled of distress? You really think it's that? I mean, there's some other things that are just as gruesome or more so than even what Nero did. So that is not the most, and when you think about what could be the most distressful time, it has to be nothing else than the tribulation period. That is yet to come. And so as the Antichrist is unveiled, there's going to be at this same time a tribulation period. That's number 11 on our list. There's going to be a period of great tribulation on the earth, which will culminate after seven years with the Battle of Armageddon. 
Now, Armageddon is only mentioned one time in the Bible. It's mentioned in Revelation chapter 16. It's one of the places we visit when we tour Israel. We stand at the place of Mount Megiddo. That's what Armageddon means. It's from the Hebrew Har Megiddo, Mount Megiddo. Megiddo is is a city, an ancient city. It's not an occupied city today. It's just an ancient, uh, what we call an ancient tell. It's a mound of civilizations, but Megiddo is not an active town anymore, an active city anymore. But you can stand on the hill of Megiddo, and you look out at the plain, the valley of Jezreel, and that's the valley where the battle is going to take place. And the Bible talks about how there will be nations who will rise, people against people, and there will be uh, this end time to end all wars that will happen in the valley of Megiddo, in the Jezreel Valley. Napoleon once stood at Megiddo and looked down into the valley of Jezreel. And, you know, he's just kind of a twisted Frenchman. But he, but he, said, uh, he said, oh, I wish I could fight a great battle in the valley of Jezreel. All right, Napoleon, thanks a lot. But anyway, that, it, it's, this, it's a very strategic location because the valley of Jezreel When the Bible says Euphrates River gets dried up and then all of the nations of the Pacific Rim are going to come and they will emerge and they will converge, I should say, on uh, Israel. And then you will have what the Bible speaks about in Ezekiel. You're going to have Russia from the north. You're going to have Turkey. You're going to have Iran. You're going to have all these nations that will converge against Israel. And the Lord says in, in Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon, Armageddon, Revelation 16, verse 16. So there's going to be this time of great tribulation. When you look through the book of Revelation, it tells us that God will unleash a series of tribulation upon the earth in the form of first he talks about opening uh, seals that's revelation 6 7 and 8 primarily 6 and 8 and then he talks about there will be a series of seven trumpets that will be blown seven seals followed by seven trumpets that's revelation 8 and 9 and then revelation 16 speaks about seven bowls of god's wrath So you have seven seals that are opened, seven trumpets that are blown, seven bowls that are poured out. And with every opening of a seal or blowing of a trumpet or pouring of the bowl, there are different judgments that are unleashed upon the earth. Now, the book of Revelation is for another study. We've been there several times, and you can go online and listen to the teaching library for all that detail. But it will intensify as these seals and trumpets and bowls are opened and blown and poured. So when we talk about tribulation, it's the whole seven years, but really the great tribulation is the last three and a half. It's when the Antichrist reveals himself for who he truly is, and then the judgments get quicker and more severe and more intense as it comes upon the earth. Now again, I don't believe we'll be here, and if I can try to get further through this 24th chapter, you'll see here where Jesus even alludes to the rapture. So let's carry on and take a look at at, uh, what he continues to say here. So in verse 22, Matthew 24, verse 22, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. In other words, it's only going to be seven years because God has a, has a heart for, for the people, and uh, so seven years is long, but it could have been longer. It'll be shortened. Verse 23, 
At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible, circle that word, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the return of Christ is going to be visible, and he's going to say a little bit further down, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be visible and powerful. There will be no guesswork when people are on the earth during this time, and they will wonder, did I miss the Messiah? Because somebody says he's in the inner room. Somebody says he's got him in, you know, in their living room. And is he out in the field? Somebody said they saw him you know, playing ball in a field somewhere. Is the Messiah here? There will be no doubt, because the second coming of Christ will be visible Like lightning from heaven, Jesus says, and it will be powerful. Every eye will see. Everybody will know. Don't fall for the idea that that he's come. You'll know. Then verse 28. This is kind of a difficult verse. It just seems weird to us. It says, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. (laughs) That's a pleasant little thing that uh, Jesus says in the middle of all this. It's probably a figure of speech, uh, somewhat like our figure of speech when we say where there's smoke, there's fire. Where you have dead carcasses, you have vultures that gather. And Jesus is basically probably just simply saying, you know, when you see all these things happen, it's like seeing smoke. You better know that there's something else that's going on more intense. Uh, These are the signs of the times. Verse 29, he says, immediately after the distress of those days, so like at the end of tribulation period, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, you can just keep your place there, but in Revelation 6, it says something almost identical. Revelation 6, 12 to 14. I watched, John writes, as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So there John talks about the sun being blackened and the whole moon turning blood red. And um, that's what it says here. The sun, back here in Matthew 24, says the sun was darkened, the moon will not give its light. And then Jesus says in verse 30, back here in Matthew 24, verse 30, At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power. There's the other aspect. His return will be visible and powerful and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So here's where Jesus says, this is number 12 on the list, that all these things lead up to his return to the earth. He speaks here about how his return will be powerful. He will appear in the sky, and all the nations on earth will mourn. Now, why will all the nations on earth mourn? Why will they not rejoice? Because when Jesus comes again, He comes as this valiant, powerful king who will come to judge. And he will come to make war with these nations that converge against Israel. That's what Armageddon is about. And the Lord Jesus will return. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 that he will return, the Lord will, 
John says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, this is Revelation 19, 11, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. See, these are the saints who come back with the Lord. These, these are the saints, the armies of heaven. These are not a reference to angels. These are the saints because it says that they were dressed in fine linen. And the Bible in Revelation says that the saints were given fine linen to wear, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when Jesus comes again, it will not be like his first coming. Meek and mild Jesus, gentle, riding on a donkey Jesus, Sunday school Jesus, okay? The kind of Jesus you tell your kids about in Sunday school, nice Jesus on a donkey. No, 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 this is going to be fury Jesus. This is going to be mad Jesus. This is going to be judge Jesus. Coming in, not Judge Judy, Judge Jesus, coming in on a white horse, sword in his mouth, and he's ready to smite the nations that have come against Israel. And so his second coming is going to be very different. And he says here, I read a moment ago, verse 31, Matthew 24, verse 31. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Now, this is where some people read this verse and see, see, Christians go through the tribulation. Because we just read all this tribulation stuff, and now this is when, after he comes again, that Jesus gathers his elect Well, please underline the word elect, and next to it in your Bibles, write the Jews. It is not a reference to Christians. It is a reference to the Jews. We know this because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And in Isaiah chapter 11, verse, you can read 10 through 12 to get the context that it talks about the root of Jesse. It talks about the return of Christ in that day. But Isaiah 11, 12 says that he will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel... He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth or from the four winds or the four parts of the compass of the earth. It is a gathering of the Jews. Because when you look at the book of Zechariah, when Zechariah talks about the return of Christ, and we'll check him out in just a minute here, but he speaks about one of the things that's going to happen is that the eyes of the Jews who have still survived the tribulation, Zechariah says that, Of the Jews, two-thirds will perish, but a third will come through the tribulation period. And that third who sees Jesus, they will see him as Messiah. They will recognize him as the true and living Lord. Because the prophet Zechariah says the Jews will ask him when they see him, because he will still bear the marks of his crucifixion. John writes this in the book of Revelation. John says, I think it's in chapter 5, and I saw a lamb as if it had been slain. Jesus still bears the mark of his crucifixion in his glorified body. And when the Jews will see him, Zechariah says, they will ask, where did you receive these marks? And the Lord will respond, I received them at the house of my friends. And Zechariah says, then God will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication upon the Jewish people, and all those Jews who have survived the tribulation, all will believe in Messiah. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 11 that there's for now is a window of opportunity for the Gentiles to be saved. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and then all Israel will be saved. That is not a reference 
to the church. That is a reference to the Jewish people. And God is still not done with the Jewish people. And he is faithful to his promises. And you look at Romans 11 and Zechariah 13 and 14, and there's going to be this great revival among the Jewish people as a result of surviving the tribulation and seeing the Lord Jesus return. I know I'm just kind of dumping a lot of information on you, but I'll be even happier when it just all happens and then Jesus can do a whole lot better than what I'm doing here. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary today for this study in the Gospel of Matthew on Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to hear this teaching again or explore additional messages, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc and click on Teachings. You can download our mobile app, too, while you're there. It's under On The Go. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we want to invite you to join us for church at Cornerstone Chapel. We're meeting each Sunday in person at 8.30 and 11.45, as well as on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. CornerstoneConnection.cc is the place to get all the information you need, along with directions to our campus. You can also see what's going on during the week and what Cornerstone Chapel offers in the way of small groups, youth ministry, and more. And you can meet the staff. If you're not able to join us in person right now, that's okay. We're live streaming each Sunday and Wednesday service at cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you have any questions for us, or if you'd like to share a prayer request, please connect with us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us to study Matthew, and we hope you'll tune in again to learn more about Jesus. That's right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know